Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews. The mind can play a tremendous influence on your performance, whether it be golf or you name it. I don't care what it is. If you go in with the proper background, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you go in with the proper background and the proper mental state, the odds are you're going to come out successfully. Taking you beyond the ropes. I refuse to give up on life, even though it's been it's been bumpy. You get back up and do it. I know you can. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your friends to be the best person you can be. Unforgettable stories. Say Elaine for us. Yes. <laughs> Elaine, you're out on your patoot. Go spend a week in the Yakavongo Delta. <laughs> a bridge to the past. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Today is a very special occasion on the Fairways of Life show because we have an opportunity before us to speak with a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. And when you hear the recounting of what this man accomplished in his career, it is nothing short of astounding. He started playing golf at the age of seven. His father, Jack, was a club pro at Houston's River Oaks Country Club. He was also, incidentally, the runner-up at the 1920 U.S. Open. Jackie Burke Jr. decided to turn professional after graduating high school in Houston, Texas in 1940 at the age of 17. He served four years with the Marines during World War II. Upon returning, he worked at various clubs, including Winged Foot, where he mentored under Claude Harmon. Jack Burke Jr. won 16 times on the PGA Tour, and he collected two major championships along the way. He was a member of the United States Ryder Cup team five times, including in 1951, when he played with Ben Hogan in a team that was captained by Sam Snead. 1953. 1955, 1957, where he was also a playing captain, 1959, and captained the winning 1973 team, a team that included the likes of Jack Nicklaus, Lee Trevino, Billy Casper, and Arnold Palmer. In 1950, Jack Burke won four times on the PGA Tour. In 1952, he won five times. And in 1956, Jack Burke Jr. won the Masters Tournament and the PGA Championship, a feat that had only been accomplished one time prior, that by Sam Snead in 1949. Burke won the Varden Trophy in 1952. He was the PGA Player of the Year in 1956, and he won the PGA Tour's Lifetime Achievement Award in 2003 and the Bob Jones Award in 2004. And, of course, he was also elected and will be forever enshrined rightfully, in the World Golf Hall of Fame. It's an absolute honor to welcome Jackie Burke Jr. to the program from his Champions Golf Club in Houston, Texas. Sir, how are you today? Thank you for joining us. Oh, good. We're, we're, we're good. A little, little rain today, but we're, we're, we're playing through it. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because a little rain today and playing through it seems to be a theme of your life. When I, when I study the life of Jackie Burke, 
it seems to me that you're always looking on the upside, always looking on the positive side and looking at, at, at what can be good instead of looking at what is otherwise a little bit of rain. Would you describe that as your life's philosophy? Uh, well, I just try to do the things that I know, that I, know I can do. Uh, I, I don't try to do things I know I can't do or I've never tried before, like making speeches. If the audience didn't say I didn't know that, you shouldn't be up there. So you have to be qualified to be opening your mouth or going to the tea. Yeah, I read a quote by you recently, Mr. Burke, where you said you met a man that claimed to be self-made. And your your response, paraphrasing, was something akin to, well, you must have come out of the womb that way because there's no such thing as self-made. Everybody learns from everybody else. And I thought that kind of spoke to your philosophy of, of wrapping your arms around people. It's a, a game. When you talk about games, you have to have a feeling for a game. I don't care if it's poker or billiards or tennis or golf or whatever it is that there are rules out here, and uh, the thing I think mostly is that God put 10 down here, and the USGA put uh, 24 <laughs> rules down here. Let me take you back, if you, if you would allow, to the 1950s. You heard me recounting your wins through various years in the 1950s, and this was at the, the height of the run of also Sam Snead and Ben Hogan, is there a way, Jackie Burke Jr., that you could summarize what it was like to play professional touring golf in the 1950s against the likes of those legends, Middlecoff and more? Well, I think you've got to look at it from a little bit different. You have kids starting in high school playing golf, and they go play golf in college, and then they go to the tour if they're fortunate enough to find the money and everything. The uh, early players were all were pros, and they were all either club makers or teachers. My dad was both. He was a club maker, and he was a teacher, too. He would teach you how to use the clubs that he just got through making for you. And then when he started doing too much of that, he hired Demerit to put the clubs together while he did all the teaching. Then came along uh, Craig Woods and Arnold Palmer's and Johnny Revolta's and Paul Runyon's. All of those guys were all teachers. And uh, this day and age, uh, these young people are taking lessons from different people, looking at it on television and looking at it at a, on these various golf schools. But they they don't have the feeling the same as the teacher does, or the same as the guy that were making the clubs. It was just a different feel. When you play, you're not trying to win anything. You're just trying to play the next hole. And so if you can take things one at a time, you'll be better off. Do you, do you remember what your feeling was like when you were competing in the 1950s, uh, Jackie Burke Jr., what it was like to be competing against your, your other fellow competitors that also would become members of the World Golf Hall of Fame, of the likes of some of the names that you just mentioned. What was the competitive feeling like back in those days? Well, I had to compete with myself. Uh, hitting, a, hitting golf balls 
while making swings. I just made a swing and knew the swing that I had, and I just let it go and trust it and uh, just put it down whatever the hell number I made. Mm-hmm. But you, there has to be some trust somewhere. And I put all of the responsibility on my swing, not me. And so that, that helped me out. How tough a competitor was Sam Snead? He, he was not only a physical guy, but uh, he was a an artist uh, in about everything he did. I mean, I, I've just I've seen him just do. He's first of all he was double jointed, and he could get the club in positions that a lot of people couldn't get him in. And uh, it, most of all, he liked to play, and he he. Uh, I never forget. He, he tries to birdie the very first hole, and uh, I've seen him do that many a time. And usually, people are trying to warm up a little bit to get two or three holes down the road. Not him. He wants to birdie number one. <laughs> what was it like, Jackie Burke Jr., to compete against Ben Hogan? Did you do you ever remember feeling intimidated playing against Hogan? No, I never played against anybody, but that's not the way you play the tour. You you better be playing against yourself, mm-hmm. not anybody. I don't know what they're they're back there, four, four or five foursomes behind me. I don't know what they're doing. You just have to go on your own. Did you find that in speaking about Ben Hogan? Did you find that being a fellow Texan that? Ben Hogan was someone that you established a friendship with. How would you describe your relationship with Ben Hogan? I knew Ben, and and, uh, my dad invented a rubber grip one time. He saw after a blown-out tire, and he went and and got an inventor, and they invented a rubber grip, and he put Ben Hogan and Craig Wood and Demerit I think Jack Grout, I think, was in it, and they had a company. But I knew Ben from that company, and then I used to, I used to watch him play. He he he, he was just a lone lone guy, but he he could do a deal for himself. He knew how to deal with himself. He never had a temper. He just concentrated on getting the ball on the green. They say that Ben Hogan was one of the finest ball strikers of all time. Uh, what would your assessment be, given the fact that you've seen many of the best ball strikers ever? Would you put Ben Hogan amongst the best ball strikers of all time? Well, I'll pick him as the, as the best striker of the ball today. There's no telling what he'll come up with by tomorrow or playing in England or the United States. When you say the best player, under what conditions? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get some conditions out there that you've never seen before, but he could always adjust to that. Speaking about weather conditions, Jackie Burke Jr., when you won the 1956 Masters, Bob Jones said of the weather conditions on that Sunday, quote, the hardest playing conditions we've ever had in this tournament, end quote. Do you recall what the weather was like on that Sunday in 1956 when you won your Masters? Well, I know that the second hole is a par five, and I've never been on the green in two in my life. 
and I went over the green with my second shot with a five iron over the green, and the wind was blowing about 50. And then Whoa. the hole going up, the third hole, the wind was right straight in your face. And the fourth hole was a par three, and I had to use a driver. So you were just out there in, in no man's land with every hole. You had to improvise. You started that day eight shots behind the lead of Ken Venturi. I know you were playing alongside of Mike Suchek, your friend. Did you, did you, uh, when you were playing in this idea that you have of just concentrating on your own game and don't worry about what's going on around you, just focus on what you, you can do. Did you have a sense when you came in? So far behind, you have no choice to be thinking about winning. You know, I, I knew I could play in the win because I was pro at Galveston Country Club after the, uh, before the war. And, and that's right on the ocean. So I knew how I knew Demerit was pro there too, and he was probably one of the best wind players. But you know, you're you're going out there in in a, in a game with a bag full of lofts, and you just take those lofts in various conditions. You take the loft off the club and put more loft on it all day long. You stuck to it and. You made a par at, on that Sunday afternoon. You parred the 16th. Then you birdied the 17th hole. Do you remember what happened? Could you take us through that 17th hole back in 1956 when you made birdie in the final round of the Masters? I remember it like it was yesterday because I was to the left. Of, there was a big bunker there, and I was my ball was, was uh, to the left of the bunker on the fringe of the green, and the pin was about 25 feet away. I had no idea. I mean, I just, I never putted at a cup in my life. I putted at break lines, and I just put my ball up on a break line, and it, it went in. It was a miracle of all miracles that that ball would find the hole. And then the last hole, I came out of the bunker and made the putt. I mean, but that was all day long I was doing that. How important was it that you were playing alongside of your friend Mike? Was was he supportive of you as you were coming down those closing holes? Well, that day is so uh, was so bad. You you didn't. I didn't even hardly see Mike all day long. I, mean, I, didn't <laughs> run, I didn't run over and have a visit with him or anything. It's just he was trying to make his life out there, and I was too. So actually, we were so far behind, we never even thought about. It being in the top other than that when I put that ball in the hole on 17 he came over to me and he said these guys behind us are falling dead he said if you par 18 you're going to have a good shot at this tournament when it was all said and done you finished I, I can't remember how much in advance you finished of Ken Venturi do you recall how much time elapsed from, from the time that, or, or it was from the time that you finished to the time that he finished Yes, because I had to I had to go into the little house they have over there where they put the jacket on you, and I I was sitting in there waiting for him to come in, and he had about a twenty five foot putt to tie me, and missed it. Wow, you you became after you were friends with Ken Venturi, correct? When he turned professional, and you used to tour with him and play some different places around the world. I won a tournament in Tokyo. 
they they and uh, Venturi thought he had the tournament won, and they have little bathtubs over in Japan, and he was laying in one of those bathtubs, and this guy came. I said, you know, I've already two out of the last three holes to tie him, and uh, this guy in Japan said, play off, and uh, we were paid to go over there on a on a invitation to play exhibitions and. And they said, well, your first exhibition is the Japanese Open. I said, man, we didn't come over here to play in an Open, but we had to do it. And Venturi got out of the tub and went and got his clubs, and the first hole was a par five. He made a six, and so I won the tournament. (laughs) Classic story. So let, let me take you back to 1956 again, if I can. You win the Masters in 1956, as we just recounted, for your first major championship. The PGA Championship in 1956 was still contested as match play at that time. How much did you come into that PGA Championship in 1956, Jackie Burke Jr., riding on a wave, a crest of confidence that this was yet another tournament that you could claim? Well, I, I tell you, that's probably the hardest tournament that I've ever won in my life was the PGA, because I was down a lot of the, a lot of the matches. Uh, I got out of it and got in several playoffs after the, playing 18 holes. We were tied, and I had to go extra holes with uh, some some of the guys I don't really remember. But uh, I played extra holes and won those. And then I got to the finals with Ted Crow, who, who was really a good player. And uh, I beat him, to, I, I think, two and one. I was just going to say, you were you were down. All the, every day. Three down after 19 holes against Ted. And you, came, you, made, you birdied five of the next seven, according to to history's recounting. So you, you had a ver- you were you were finishing very strong in your matches. Right. Right. I, I you really, you you really don't know how you came up with all that stuff. It's just that I'd been in I'd been in golf so long as a kid and and uh, I was in the war and and uh, I had a lot of lot of experience in in uh, concentration and I didn't have any needless curiosity uh, about anything. You've come across so many legends in your days, Mr. Burke. For example, could you tell us about what it was like to play golf with, or, or when did you meet for the first time, say, Bing Crosby? Well, I, I know him. Uh, you see, uh, Lakeside Country Club is right across the street from Paramount Studios. And mm-hmm. all of those guys played golf. I mean, Randolph Scott, uh, all of them played golf. Bing, Bing played in the amateur. So I've known Bing more, not in the movie star sense, but I've known him from golf. And uh, he made me the godfather of Nathaniel. And Nathaniel wow. won the U.S. Amateur. So the the Crosbys were have been in golf a long time. 
Very cool. And what happened with Mr. Crosby, Bing Crosby, when you were enlisted during the Second World War and him asking you to come play and so forth? Well, one incident that I'll share with you is that uh, I was at Camp Miramar in San Diego, and uh, Bing knew the general who was running the base, and he called to see if I could play with him at Rancho Santa Fe, which is, of course, not very far from Camp Miramar. And uh, the general called down to Lieutenant Kennedy and said there'll be a car arriving for Corporal, I forget what I was, a Corporal, I don't think I was a sergeant, I was a Corporal, for Corporal Burke uh, to play golf with Mr. Crosby. And I want and uh, so the lieutenant came over to me and he said, there'll be a car picking you up for your golf. <laughs> and uh, so I, when I saw that, I said, Bing, don't ever call me about a golf game while I'm in the day. I mean, I've got to go back and I'll be on every detail known to man <laughs> by that lieutenant. That is classic. I went out and played with him. But uh, my life has just been, you know, going from one incident to the other, and you just take the same game. I, my swing didn't change from being in Havana or Tokyo. I, I, I had the same swing going all the time, and I trusted it. And uh, I didn't try to get into it. I didn't try to manage it. I just let the... Let the no tension. There's four T's in golf: tension, timing, tempo, and trust. And uh, I do those four things. That, that uh, the adherence to the four T's, Mr. Jackie Burke, is that something that you learned from your dad, Jack, when you were a boy? No, I just learned that from myself. I just learned that from myself. That's that's what. Uh, I mean, that's what games are. Games are, you need to have a feeling for a game. You can't just try to manage it because you can manage a car, automobile station or something. Uh, you, you don't play golf that way. You play golf with feel, timing, tempo, and you, you have to trust it because you don't want to get out there and start managing things. You're going to lose. Game Jackie, Jackie Burke Jr. is our guest, a World Golf Hall of Fame member, a multiple-time winner of major championships, multiple wins all over the world, including 16 times on the PGA Tour. Uh, Mr. Burke, if you don't mind, I would like to say a name, and you, if you could just tell me what pops into your mind about this person. Is that okay? Go ahead. Walter Hagen. I didn't know Walter Hagen, but he was a same kind of player that all of them started out. They all started out caddying. And uh, what they learn and what they pick up is, is beyond me. I caddied too. And uh, you, you don't really pick it up with... The, when you're playing tournament golf, it's pretty hard to find some instructor that can teach you how to win tournaments. You sort of have to feel. You sort of have to be lucky as hell, and and uh, 
just figure it out that you have enough time and patience for it because it's going to take that to ever ever win, win anything. Gene Sarazen. Well, I just remember him from that two that he made on the 15th hole at Augusta. He held out his second shot from the fairway to, uh, to put him in shape to win the event. And when you stop and think it, to hit a, a make a two on a five par, that he didn't plan on that. And so it, it just a, a lot. I think the good Lord has uh, hold of your club every now and then. <laughs> Bob Jones. Bob Jones was a engineer and a, a real brilliant man, and he just got unlucky with uh, having a real bad uh, surgery, and, and, it, and, it, and it crippled him. And so he was a great player. He played with my dad at River Oaks Country Club down there. I watched him play, and he had he had probably as good a swing as you've ever ever seen. And he allowed it to happen. You can just tell that that he was not flustered or if anything, he trusted his swing. Do you remember your any conversations with Bob Jones? Was he kind to you? Oh yeah, I just I I wasn't that close to him. I I knew him, but I was just a kid when he played down with my dad, and then I I didn't know him at Augusta. The only thing I disagreed with him on at Augusta is uh, I've seen stag clubs before, and uh, it's hard to put, it's hard to pull those off because there's not enough people that that want to avoid the family. Uh, right to play on the golf course. Uh, that those clubs are not, uh, and Augusta's that way. I see now they're going to have a, a women's event there. Byron Nelson. Well, Byron from Texas, and uh, he was a great friend of my dad's, and he's he's in the he's eating at our house, and but I know him from from a golfing standpoint, and. But he was so far ahead of me. I didn't. I didn't try to copy. I didn't try to copy anybody because I knew I couldn't do it. I just had to try, find something that I could do. I can't do Byron Nelson swing. How about your friend and, and co-founder with you, Jimmy Demerit? Well, he was Jimmy Demerit won the Masters three three times. And I never will forget I was riding back with him from uh, Augusta to Houston. And I, I, I was sitting in the back seat, and I told him that I'd only three-putted one time in two years at Augusta. And he pulled the car over, and he said, you don't have any green coats? I said, no, I don't have any. Amazing stuff. All right, just continuing with this with this line, if if, if you would allow Carrie Metalkoff. Carrie was a dentist, and uh, he played golf, but he probably had a longer way to go than anybody uh, going to the dental school, and and they didn't have very many golf teams at that time. He he just played a, in a golf club in Memphis. I don't know the name of it, but there was a pro 
there that's a good teacher, and he taught Middlecoff how to play. Buck mm-hmm. White is his name, the teacher. Wow. And he uh, showed Middlecoff how to play, and then doctors picked it up. What did you think when you saw Arnold Palmer burst on the scene in the mid to late 1950s? I didn't know him at all, and uh, I finally knew him because I was playing on the winter tour. I was in New York uh, working at Metropolis and Wingfoot, and I, I got to play in the winter time because they closed the clubs down. I met Arnold out there on that after. He played on the winter tour like I did. Mm-hmm. His dad was a greenskeeper, but he was brought up in the game, and uh, it was that was his swing, and uh, it worked for him. Jackie Burke Jr., do you remember? And I suspect you would when you were a boy and you and you were learning the game. Do you remember playing with hickory shafted clubs? I did. My uh, my dad was a club maker, and he put shafts in and bought them and put the black black. They had a black rag that took it, painted the grooves and painted the grain in the, those shafts. And he had a guy there in the shop that put those things together. And uh, they bought the head from Scotland. The uh, the game in the early days down, particularly in this country, it was called cow pasture pool because there's nothing but ranches out here, and they just put up a stick and would swing the, those wood shafted clubs at a flag down some given amount of time, place, and uh, there was no hole to put. They just shut, they were feeding the cows and they just. Did that to bide the time. Oh, this is classic. Jackie Burke Jr., World Golf Hall of Fame member, is our guest. Do you remember, sir, what it was like to hit a club, hit a ball with a hickory shafted club? Could you describe what that feeling was like for us? Well, you didn't know any difference because there was no other club. <laughs> you just learned to you learned to do it. Hogan and all of them, they all came up that way. But you you just I mean, if you, you you had to adjust to the other ones when they first came out. The steel shafted clubs. Wilson. So there was no no pattern out here that you need to adjust to. That's all that was available to you. Wow. How did you back in the day? How did you determine distances that you needed to hit in order to get a ball near a hole? Versus today, they have all kinds of information. But what was it like for you back in the day in determining distances? Well, I tell you, a gambler taught me that. He asked me, uh, he said, Jackie, you see that green over there? For $1,000, what can you carry over on the fly? I said, I don't have $1,000. Well, I'll bet you 100 that I can carry the green with a 5-iron. He said, no, I don't mean hit the green and roll. I mean over the green, where it hits the down slope. And when it hits the down slope, it'll run down about two clubs. So I did that, and that's how I learned to judge distance. I don't think in terms of flags and things. I think in terms of going over 
and you take two clubs off. So my five iron became a seven iron, and I've used that for ages. Like I use the greens. There's a spine in every green, and the spine, if you go up the spine, it's slow, and down the spine, it's fast. And if the ball is on the right side of the spine, it'll break left. And if it's on the left side of the spine, it'll break right. But I, I kept those the rules with me. So I didn't have a, 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 a book out there about the I can tell you the, the green. I can tell you that on anything, what it would take me to carry over the green or carry over a car or anything. Do you remember your your driving philosophy? Say, if you wanted to hit a fade on a particular hole, when you aimed left down that hole, did you use any type of visualization to help you be aggressive so that no, you could I make this? No, I it down low and make sure I hit it in the neck. I want to hit it in the heel of the club. It'll fade every time. You don't have to worry about it. You just have to swing the club and make sure you strike the ball in the, in the heel of the club, and it'll fade. Jackie Burke, Jr., who were your friends on tour? Who did you hang out with the most? I, I, I tell you, you don't, you don't really – I just knew them all. I, we didn't, the lobbies of hotels were, were, were ever there was no such thing as a motel. They're all big lobbies, and – and uh, we even had bookies in, in the in the lobbies. I mean, you <laughs> could make bets in the lobby of the hotel. <laughs> there was no such thing as a motel. Could you tell me, Mr. Burke, why you and Jimmy Demerit founded the Champions Golf Club in Houston, Texas, back in 1957? I've been here 60 years. My dad tried to bring the game from uh, Philadelphia down here to Houston, and uh, he died a little early. But I've tried to fill in, Demary and I both. The game has never been south correctly, Mm -hmm. where you feature the amateur and not the restaurants and showing people how rich it is to get in a golf club. That don't mean anything. It, it just try to build a club around a game. It, it's just a game. I wrote a stupid book on it. It's not, it's not a restaurant, or it's not a, a building that you should be running around telling people you're a member of one. I yeah. said, you might be a member of one, but you shoot 80. You know, you're not a good player. So you want you wanted good players at your club, 15 handicap or less, right? Yeah, we have a, we have a, we're, we're getting ready. Our, our Champions Cup matches are coming up in April, and we've got uh, fifteen teams in, on the waiting list. And we have three countries that uh, the guys come over here and play the cup matches. That's the best ball of the, of a twosome. Wow. That is great. Do you get a chance to go out and chip or putt or, or, or hit golf balls at all now, Mr. Jackie yeah, Burke? I, yeah, I do. I'll practice a couple of times a week, and I'll putt about the same amount. 
I, I know how to putt. You know, I, I'm not going to change that. Is there anything that Jackie Burke Jr. at 96 years young is working on in his game right now? I'm just working on making sure we don't uh, spend too much money. I went to a school where they came in and put 50 on one board and 51 on the other. And the priest said, if you make 50, do not look at that one over there, 51. So I've sort of kept that as a rule here. We don't spend more than we take in. That is great. Mr. Jackie Burke, Jr., sir, I want to thank you for the time that you spent with us today. It is an absolute privilege and honor to get a chance to speak with you and share some of your memories of, of the golf that was and your Champions Club right now that is doing very well in Texas, sir. Thank you. Come down and see us. I would love to do that, sir. Oh, it would be okay. an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Wow. I, I don't even know what else to say other than wow. I do want to remind everybody, as you could tell, I put off all of our, our sponsors' reads until the end here, so I am going to ask you quickly to, to please remember – BenHoganGolf.com. Log on there and see the new Icon Forged Blade irons. They are absolutely beautiful. See the PTX Pro irons, a new driver, their wedges, their putters, all of it you can find on there. And you'll see why their direct relationship as a micro-manufacturer with you is a special one indeed. French Lick Resort, it is so good that we're bringing listeners there. That's the highest accolade I think the Fairways of Life show can give a destination to say, this is so cool and so much fun. We want to come there with our own family, and that is all of you. Fairwaysoflife.com slash French Lick for more details on that. Tour Edge Golf, they are special. Uh, one, you know, if you're, if you're going to stand out from the crowd, how do you do it? You do things like, oh, a lifetime warranty? Think about that for a second. A life time warranty the best in the world are playing their products not merely because they're ambassadors you've got people that are not part of their paid and in, in, in ambassador staff you got people that are playing them because they're the best touredge.com for you to find clubs with all of the latest technology without having to refinance your your mortgage in order to afford to buy the product as well bridgestone golf their new reactive urethane cover has reinvented the golf ball no longer do you have to choose between spin or distance you can have them both in one ball just log on to bridgestonegolf.com and check it out and finally uh, not least though ireland.com i am so proud to represent ireland.com and i do it with all of my bias inherent and it's with good reason it is the best links golf in the world let's start planning on this today let's go let's take a couple trips there when, when all this stuff blows over why not ireland.com to get you up to speed folks thank you so much for your company please have a good day be safe out there take care of each other we'll see you again tomorrow Tour Edge continues their meteoric rise in 2020. Over 90 different tour pros have put Tour Edge into their bag, including staffers Scott McCarron, Tom Lehman, Tim Petrovic, and Duffy Waldorf. Tour Edge makes clubs for every player type, and they set themselves apart with their unprecedented 48-hour delivery on custom-fit orders and by offering a lifetime warranty and by building their clubs in the good old US of A. Visit TourEdge.com to learn more about their new clubs for 2020. Tour Edge, pound for pound, nothing comes close. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then. 
finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. It's no secret that FootJoy Flex has been one of the best-selling shoes in the game for the last few years. You can literally wear these things anywhere. Well, they now have a version that's completely redesigned and fully waterproof. It's called the Flex XP. You can wear these to and from work, hit a bucket of balls at the range, play 18 of them, wear them into the clubhouse, or out to dinner. Many have tried this type of versatile shoe in the past, but leave it to FootJoy to elevate the category. Now you can start flexing with the all-new Flex XP. Learn more about Flex XP at FootJoy. If you listen to the wind, you can hear it. That's Ireland calling you home. Home to the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world, defined by soaring dunes, undulating fairways, venerable bunkers, and whimsical green complexes. From Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, site to the 2019 Open Championship, to Ballyliffin, La Hinch, and Ballybunion, numbering among the Lynx golf masterpieces awaiting your golfing sojourn. Come home to Ireland and enjoy the most incredible golf experience of your life. Get started at Ireland.com. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tea times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles, and they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com Take your game to the max this spring with the all-new Tour X Golf Shoe from FootJoy. Fully loaded inside and out, Tour X delivers max stability, max control, and max comfort. So you can launch it past your buddies. The Tour X wraps your foot in coziness with an ortho light impressions fit bed and a foam collar around the heel, ensuring max in-shoe comfort and support. Tour proven by players like Kevin Kister and Rafael Cabrera-Bayo. Experience max performance for yourself with the all-new Tour X. Shop now at FootJoy.com. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world, end quote, and that is exactly what their mantra is today, only it's going directly to you, not through retail stores, so they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best, and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. 
Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. It screams, it tracks, it's soft, it reacts, it is the all-new Tour B, with a game-changing reactive cover, designed to spring faster off your driver, and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B, the Tour Ball, reinvented. It's time for you to discover Streamsong, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link-style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dope, Bill Kaur, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com. 